Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu. And on this slightly shorter edition of the podcast today, we're going to be reflecting on Arsenal's 5-3 victory over Barcelona, their final game of the pre-season tour over in the US. Arsenal came through it with flying colours in the end uh, and can go back now to London uh, in a positive mood, get back to training, get the preparations underway for the Emirates Cup, which of course takes place on Wednesday, and then uh, start building up towards that Community Shield final against Manchester City before our Premier League campaign kicks off. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Uh, I said it's going to be a slightly shorter edition. The reason being I'm traveling today. I'm heading over to Las Vegas um, and I need to set off basically to go to the airport, but I couldn't travel to the airport, get on an 11-hour flight without leaving you guys some form of content around the game that I, like an idiot, sat up and watched last night. (laughs) Um, I was in two minds about it, I have to say. And um, I got home from work a little bit later than I would have liked. And I was out with some friends after work as a colleague of mine, a really, really good friend, was leaving. So we went for some drinks. We had a bit of a laugh and stuff. By the time I got home and packed my suitcase for today, It was about 12 o'clock, maybe even 12.30. And I thought to myself, oh, do you know what? If I stay up now, I'm going to be a zombie tomorrow. If I go to sleep and then wake up for the game, is three hours enough? It probably isn't. Um, So I was kind of even in two minds at that point. What I did was I set my alarm for 3.15 in the morning, just in case when I opened my eyes, I felt good enough to get up and watch the game. And when the alarm went off, uh, I opened my eyes, I looked at my phone, which was beside me, and I saw that the kickoff had been delayed. And I thought, you know what, I can sneak an extra half an hour sleep in here, and then I'm sure I'll be fine. So that's what I did. I got up, uh, came over into the living room at 4am. I actually found the game on ESPN+, Plus. John Champion on commentary, which was a real throwback for me. Absolutely loved uh, listening to him. Not quite the same enthusiasm for Stuart Robson who was alongside him um but yeah John Champion was was amazing um so it was good to hear a familiar voice on commentary and of course I really really enjoyed the game it was a gripping game as far as pre-season friendlies go that was about as good as you could have asked for and so it kept me engaged it kept me interested and of course that helps doesn't it at that hour to keep you awake and then sort of the game finished just before around about 6 a.m and I thought you know what I'll head back to bed for a couple of hours, managed to get another couple of hours sleeping. So considering the kickoff time and considering uh, the lengths that we in the UK had to go through for once instead of everybody else, 
uh, to watch a game of football. I actually feel quite good today. I think the performance, though, uh, certainly uh, helped in that. Right, we're going to break down how the game went. We're going to talk about a number of individuals, including Leandro Trossard, Urien Timber, Kai Havertz, Thomas Partey, Saka Vieira. Uh, we're also going to talk about the absentees. Uh, Declan Rice, not in the squad. Neither was following Balogun. So we'll get into the reasons why, uh, as per Mikel Arteta. We'll also take some of your questions a little bit later on in the show as well. Uh, but that section will probably be a little bit shorter today, just because, as I say, I am pushed for time and do need to get out the door and off uh, to the airport. But anyway, let's start with, I guess, how the game started. And I must admit, the first few minutes, I wasn't that impressed with Arsenal. This was one of those games where I felt Arsenal grew into it. Um, I thought Barcelona started with a real good intensity, with a physicality that I didn't really expect from them. I expected that kind of thing from Man United when we played them the other day. Talked about that before. You're playing against the Premier League rival. You know that the Premier League naturally uh, has that higher intensity level. And so you kind of expect to be challenged physically uh, more regularly by a Premier League club than you would a La Liga club, just kind of generally speaking. Barca were were pretty... Um, were pretty physical. It's why I can't understand Xavi sort of complaining about Arsenal's intensity after the game, which I thought was a little bit tasteless. I didn't I didn't think he was that type of guy, to be honest with you. Um, if anything, it gave his team a great workout. And I know that they've played less preseason friendlies than us um, because of illness in the camp and all the rest of it. But to me, I mean, to hear him moan about that was just a little bit like, oh, get over yourself. Um Arsenal are working hard. Arsenal are getting better. Arsenal are getting fitter. Arsenal are getting sharper as they build up towards the start of the season. And listen, last season, they started it brilliantly because they got the preseason right in terms of the intensity levels, in terms of the way they were applying themselves. Obviously helped as well, getting a lot of the key signings in the door nice and early and having them uh, sort of find their feet within the group. And again, we've done that. Uh, with Rice coming in nice and early, he wasn't available yesterday, but he was, he, he is in the door, he is part of the camp. Kai Havertz, I think, is getting better and better as well. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that Arsenal gave a really, really great account of themselves. There are still some concerns, though, and maybe these concerns should be taken with a pinch of salt because it is pre season and because, you know, it is primarily right now about you know getting fit getting sharp and getting ready uh, as opposed to necessarily making sure that every aspect of your performance is perfect I think when you're a player no matter how seriously you want to take a preseason friendly no matter how much you believe that the game matters there is always going to be that bit in the back of your mind in your subconscious that tells you not to take a risk in certain situations that tells you that, you know, there isn't that desperation to go on and win. And I, and I think that does have an impact. And I think that's why it doesn't matter how big a game it is in terms of a preseason friendly, in terms of who the opponent is. It doesn't matter where it's being played, how many people have turned up to watch it. You'll never replicate a Premier League game scenario or a Champions League game scenario in a fixture like this. But there are a couple of things that I want to touch on and we will get to those in a little bit. But I think the best place to start is uh, with Leandro Trossard. What a performance from Leandro Trossard. He started the game on the left-hand side uh, instead of, uh, of course, Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, and, you know, I think Leandro Trossard's 
come in, done really, really well, impacted the team in a positive way, created an awful lot of chances, maybe could have scored more goals himself since arriving at Arsenal. But you've got to remember as well that Leandro Trossard was coming from a different team. OK, it was a Premier League side, so he was already accustomed to the demands of, of our division and the demands of the English game. But he was coming in from a different side. He was coming into different tactical instructions. He was coming in trying to displace, because I, I think we can all agree that playing from the left is Leandro Trossard's best position. Although I think he's done a brilliant job of showing off his versatility since coming to Arsenal. But I think when you come into a side and you're expected to challenge somebody like Gabriel Martinelli, who was immense most weeks last season, then it was always going to be difficult for him, wasn't it? When he got opportunities, I thought he took them. Um, and, you know, I was pleasantly surprised by how quickly he fit in. But there was always this feeling, and, and I remember discussing this at the back end of last season, that there's more to come from Leandro Trossard. And it's kind of easy to forget that he hasn't been a part of this club for that long. But now it feels like we're starting to see the real Leandro Trossard. We're starting to see a Leandro Trossard playing at a level close to his best, close to his maximum. The goals that he scored yesterday for me were, were phenomenal. Brilliant, brilliant goals. The first one, uh, a long ball forward up towards uh, Gabriel Jesus, who did brilliantly to kind of be involved in the way that the goal came about when it dropped to Trossard. Puts it onto his left foot. No messing about, trying to cut back inside on his right foot. This is a player that really believes in, in his ability and is really full of confidence. And you could tell that by the way he took that on with his weaker left foot. Wonderful finish across the goalkeeper into the far uh, far post area, beating him and, uh, and, and getting Arsenal that goal. Um, the second goal that Leandro Trossard scored was even better for me. Wonderful pick out from Kieran Tierney. Leandro Trossard just opens up his foot, doesn't need to put any power on it because the power's on the delivery, doesn't need to overcomplicate it. All he needs to do is steer it on target and he steers it back across the goal. That's a really, really difficult technique because of the way the ball came at him. But also, it's very easy to get that angle wrong because he didn't have much of an angle. If you look at it's kind of from the angle behind, he didn't have much of an angle to find that post and he did it brilliantly, brilliantly well. Um, I've kind of jumped on in terms of the order of how the game went because um, I, I wanted to start off with Leandro Trossard, who was the MVP, as they do it, uh, in the United States. Man of the match for us here, uh, and deservedly so. I thought he was phenomenal. But we didn't start the game particularly well. Lewandowski scored a goal on seven minutes. It was a Barcelona breakaway after Odegaard gave the ball up. And I thought... We were really, really poor in that transition. We just never looked in control of the situation at any point. Saliba couldn't get to his man. The ball was cut back across the penalty area towards Rafinha. Yuri and Timber, who was supposed to be tracking him from the far side, from Arsenal's left-hand side, lost his man, didn't get there in time. Rafinha got the shot off. Ramsdale made a great save. I felt sorry for him in that scenario because the ball just dropped really kindly then for Lewandowski, who isn't going to miss an opportunity like that. But just seven minutes later, Arsenal responded through Bukayo Saka. Um, really well-taken goal, capitalising on an Andreas Christiansen mistake. Um, Barcelona uh, did manage uh, to get a another goal through Rafinha on 34 minutes to make it 2-1. 
I mean, a lot of people have blamed Aaron Ramsdale for this. It was a free kick from Rafinha. He struck it towards goal. Arsenal had a two-man wall, which was made up of Trossard and Odegaard. And for me, I know a lot of people have given Ramsdale stick and a lot of people, for some reason, during the game, when I was sort of scrolling through Twitter, were, were referencing the goal that he conceded against Manchester United the other day and sort of trying to make comparisons between the two and suggesting that Ramsdale should have got there. If you're being hyper, hyper critical of Ramsdale, you could maybe say that he took a step towards his left-hand post maybe slightly too early. Maybe his positioning was slightly off. But for me, this is about the wall not doing its job. The ball was struck towards Martin Odegaard. He just kind of turned away from it. He didn't stand up big, tall, firm and strong and deflect the ball away. Instead, he kind of wilted at the fact that the ball was coming his way. He sort of turned his body and that caused the deflection that wrong-footed Aaron Ramsdale and led to the goal. So, Whilst I don't think we should be beating anybody up about that goal uh, because of the context of it and all the rest of it, it certainly isn't one that I'm going to blame Aaron Ramsdale for. I think Martin Odegaard, if anybody, needs to take the brunt of that. Kai Havertz then scored on 43 minutes to make it 2-2. And this, I suspect, is something that we're going to see quite a bit, actually, over the course of the coming season. Kai Havertz from that left eight position popping up at the far post. He is a forward by nature, and I think most of us can agree on that. You can debate what type of forward he is. You can debate whether he's a central forward, whether he should play from the right, whether he should play from the left, whether he's a second striker. But I think, generally speaking, I think we can all agree that he is a forward player in that his instincts are more attack-minded than they are defensive-minded. And that's been the concern for us, right, about this midfield and the balance that we're trying to strike here. Mikel Arteta was very bullish about Kai Havertz and the midfield sort of balance in his pre-match press conference ahead of this one. And although I thought Kai Havertz did a much better job of carrying out the role in this game, I still think there were a few moments, which we'll, we'll come on to in a bit when we talk about the midfield. But first, I want to give him his dues and give him his praise because that's two goals now in preseason for Kai Havertz. It was a much improved performance for him from him overall. I thought he was much more involved in the game and in our build-up. There were some nice interchanges of position with Leandro Trossard in that first half, where Trossard will come infield in the way that sometimes Martinelli does, leaving that channel outside open. Uh, because we had the inverted fullback in Yuri and Timber. And, and I thought, yeah, he was really, really involved, really, really positive. And that goal, it's an instinctive one. Martin Odegaard's header is going wide. The ball comes to Kai Havertz, who's taken up the right position because of his striking instincts and just is able to just divert it goalwards. And that's all you need to do from that distance. You just need to hit the target. So I think that was kind of a glimpse into the future with regards to what we might see differently or what we might see in terms of the difference between what Granite Xhaka used to do in that role and what Kai Havertz does. I think Kai Havertz has just got that superior striking instinct and as a result is going to get into slightly more advanced areas. Now, credit to Granite Xhaka because he really adapted his game and he got into much more advanced positions and all the rest of it. He would get into the box, but how often would he be the guy on the edge of the six-yard box? I think Kai Havertz has got that in him to make that extra five yards of movement. And that will lead to him scoring a lot of goals, I think, even from midfield. 
Um, he's been hammered by Arsenal fans, unfairly, in my opinion, over the last couple of weeks. He's getting better and better. I've seen people saying £65 million down the drain, wasted, all the rest of it. Nonsense. Uh, Kingsley Apara also points out that he's a very tall lad as well, which means that he's an aerial threat at the far post as well, which is, again, something we didn't really have in Granite Xhaka. There is concerns for me still over that midfield balance, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But for now, let's just focus on giving Kai Havertz his flowers. Um, obviously, a lot of us, I think, wanted to go into the game and see, certainly I did, that midfield trio of Partey, Rice and Odegaard. That was what I was hoping for. Declan Rice wasn't available. Mikel Arteta confirmed that he picked up a kick in training, uh, quite a hard kick, quite a heavy kick, I think was the term he used, and it wasn't worth the risk. Another player that I think people wanted to see quite a bit of was following Balogun because, of course, he um, hasn't played an awful lot, not as much as people would have liked, and there continues to be this speculation over his future. I think people are wary of saying, yeah, let him go without seeing him because they feel like they might regret it later down the line. Mikel talked about Balogun playing in this game after the Manchester United game, but that wasn't to be because, as Arteta confirmed, he picked up a foot injury, which has kept him out of training. Interesting because just a couple of days ago, we were talking about the fact that he was training individually. And I said to you guys that, yeah, it could be something, but I think there are other reasons and there are more likely reasons that he's unavailable. And there are more likely reasons, I should say, that he trained in isolation. Sometimes when a player picks up a knock and you want to keep your fitness levels up, you go and do a specific type of training that isn't going to agitate or aggravate the injury that you've picked up. Clearly, that was the case, as Mikel Arteta confirmed. And that was the reason that following Balogun did not uh, train with the rest of the team earlier on in the week. So those two were missing. Zinchenko was missing as well. Um, again, you know, and talk of another muscular injury. At what point are we going to start to be concerned about Zinchenko? Because we brought him in with a lot of us thinking, hallelujah, we've got somebody that's going to stay fit, unlike Kieran Tierney. And it's like they've just completely reversed roles. Kieran Tierney, touch wood, seems to be fit and available every single week. And Alexander Zinchenko is really, really struggling. It's a disappointment that he hasn't been able to take part in the preseason games. That suggests that he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. And so Arsenal need to think about what they're going to do in that left-back position. Tomiyasu's played there. Kivior's played there. Tierney's played there in second halves and at various points. Yuri and Timber got the nod there yesterday. And how did he look? I thought he looked really good. Um, I thought he looked really good. He's really confident on the ball. You know, you, you don't want to put players on their wrong sides when they're defending normally. You know, that's a, a kind of no-go. It's something that you want to um, avoid wherever possible. But I think because you're in Timber, is so technically gifted and has so much belief in his ability. If you are going to put a player with the wrong foot on that side, then you want it to be someone that's really confident in his ability. And Urien Timber certainly is that. He was trying to play the Zinchenko role. I thought at times he did it really, really well. Um, and at times he stepped into the midfield effectively, breaking lines. I thought he carried the ball quite well on a couple of occasions out of the um, out of the defence. I thought he did a really, really good job of, of dealing with Rafinha with the exception of that one moment that led to Barcelona's first goal. 
Um, but yeah, um, that's my kind of assessment on his performance. I know I'm jumping around a little bit in terms of the order of this show. Um, I, I've not been very, uh, well, I'm not very prepared, let's be honest. Uh, the second half started, of course, and, and Leandro Trossard uh, scored two goals uh, in uh, succession, one on 55 minutes and one on 78. Uh, Torres uh, made it 5-3. For Barcelona on 88 minutes. But then another goal that I really, really wanted to talk about was the goal scored by Fabio Vieira. I mean, what a strike that was. Another player who the jury is out on. Another player who people are unsure about. Another player who you feel has got a lot to prove this season. I've always said that he's incredibly gifted. He's so, so talented, Fabio Vieira. And I've repeatedly said that he deserves at least one more season to show Arsenal what he can do and to prove that he is a valuable member of this squad. And I think confidence is a big thing for a player who finds himself on the peripheries. And goals like the one he scored last night, this morning, will only help in that. And so I was delighted to see him score a goal of such quality. Um, yeah, it's a friendly and it doesn't mean much, but it does mean a lot more to someone who is struggling for confidence and who is fighting for a place in the makeup of the side. And, and I'm really, really pleased for him. Brilliant finish, shifted it out of his left foot and just sort of bent it, didn't he, into the far corner. Brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe got some time as well, played the second half in the left eight role. Not sure he's completely ready to play that role just yet, but he certainly looks sharper. He certainly looks fitter. He certainly looks hungrier. And he certainly looks ready on a physical level. Now it's about tweaking his game a little bit because it is, again, a position that he is unfamiliar with. And what we're doing with this side at the moment is we're putting a lot of square pegs into round holes and hoping that we can round those pegs off to be able to play in a multitude of positions. Kai Havertz is going through that at the moment. Um... I think that, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe's going through that. I think Leandro Trossard has had to, at times, adapt to playing in that left eight role because Arsenal want to have that additional attacker on the pitch. I think we've got to work out how best to utilise Martin Odegaard in that setup because I think his performances has just been a little bit lacklustre. Um, and again, it's all about tweaks and it's all about, you know, getting people up to speed and getting people up to scratch. But there is some adjustment happening. There is some evolution happening. And that is going to need a bit of time. The problem is that the expectation around Arsenal right now is so high that we don't really have time to allow things to develop and to simmer. We need them to work straight away. We've got different options, which is great. And hopefully within those options, we can find the right formulas going into games while we're going through this adaptation in order to um, to, to succeed and, and get points on the board nice and early. I said that I still had some concerns, and I do. And, and for me, the midfield balance is still off. It is. Um, I thought Thomas Partey was immense yesterday. And for all those people that say Thomas Partey's washed, get rid of him. That is the performance that you probably needed to see. Because Thomas Partey, for me, is an outstanding midfield player. Yes, his performances dropped off at the back in the last season. That was a disappointment. That was a problem for us in the end. But with William Saliba behind him as well, especially, he just looks a totally different player. He bossed the midfield last night. 
He was physical. He went into challenges. He knocked people off the ball. His ball progression was great. His retention of possession when under pressure was excellent. I thought it was great. I, I, I really do. But it, it doesn't really matter to me whether it's Rice or Partey right now. And I'm not going to go into this thing or go down this route of comparing one versus the other or saying that one's better suited to the role and the other's not or anything like that. Because I think that is a bit of a, a non-debate here. I think the problem here in terms of our balance is simply playing a six and two eights, regardless of who the personnel is. I think on the transition, we look susceptible when we play this way. And look, Barcelona scored three goals against us. They were fortunate with the second one from Rafinha. Um, you know, but let, let's not pick apart the individual goals because I think the bigger point here is that I think Arsenal are in danger of being overrun in midfield at times, particularly when they lose the ball high up the pitch, if they do not address this balance. There will be times and there will be games where you can get away with playing this way. And it might be the best solution going into some of those games where we're facing low blocks and all the rest of it. But against the very best sides, this midfield balance is off and it will not work. There has to be significant improvement in the way that we carry this out. There has to be significant improvement in sort of the, the tactical side of it in order to make sure that we don't we don't fall apart in certain games. But to me, this is, yeah, this is... Um, this is a little bit off. Um, just a quick reminder, guys, if people are having a go at people um, in the chat, I will just block you, man. Like, I, I really don't care. Like, this is not what this co this community is about. So uh, I've just hit the block button because see someone in there getting personal, having a go at other members of the channel. Nope, not having that for a second. But anyway, going back to what I was saying, the midfield for me, it's not 100% right yet. It's nearly, it's better it's better than it, it was better than it was against Man United. Um, and I expect it to be better when we play Monaco, but it's not quite there yet. I'm not at the point now, today on the 27th of July, where I say I'll be confident with us playing that way in a Premier League game against a top half level side. Um, so work to be done there for me. Also wanted to give a shout out to Bukayo Saka. Um, it's not, I've left him till the end, not because I don't rate him. Not because I don't think his performance was great. I thought he was unplayable yesterday. I thought it was immense. Obviously, he missed a penalty kick, um, which I actually forgot to mention in my kind of summary of when the goals went in. Um, dragged it wide. But, you know, um, <laughs> let's, let's let him get those out of the way in games like this rather than, um, rather than doing them in the Premier League. But yeah, he was unplayable. And the, and the reason, as I say, I've left that to the end is because he's basically unplayable every week he's got himself to a point where he is now consistently a pain in the ass for our opponents just what a player um what a player and and honestly we're so so lucky to have him um i mentioned kieran tierney came on i mentioned his good delivery uh, to set up leandro trossard for the uh, second trossard goal i just think with kieran tierney there's been so much speculation this summer about whether he's going to stay at the club, whether he's going to move on, all the rest of it. Yet every time he takes to the field, he looks 100% committed. He looks ready to go, ready to fight. Like the, the smile on his face when he set up Leandro Trossard for that goal and the sort of embrace between the two of them was one of genuine happiness. 
and and like they were both genuinely happy for one another. And that says to me when I look at that, not that there's ever been questions, by the way, over Kieran Tierney's professionalism, but that says to me that he's not given up on Arsenal and he's not got one foot out the door. He is willing to fight. He is willing um, to be a part of this squad. And, and we're going to need him over the course of the season, particularly with Zinchenko's injury problems. I know it looks like Mikel Arteta prefers other options at the moment, but I think that is tactical more than anything else. Um, it isn't because of a lack of trust in Kiarantini's defensive abilities. I think tactically, Mikel Arteta just wants something very, very specific. But options are what we need. Versatility is what we need. The ability to adapt in game is what we're going to need if we're going to improve on last season. And to have an option like Kiarantini at fullback is, is great, obviously. Okay, I think that's kind of my summary of the game. Um you know, good atmosphere. SoFi Stadium is a, a wonderful arena to play football in. I'm kind of glad the US tour's open for a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't have to get up at ridiculous hours anymore. And uh, I know a lot of you do. So um, <laughs> fair play to you. And I've said it a million and one times. I've got so much respect for those of you that do that on a regular basis because it is an absolute killer. Um, but yeah, brilliant, uh, brilliant performance, brilliant result. Could have done with defending a little bit better at times, but overall a good way to finish our US tour. And when you looked at that surface, which was awful, by the way, uh, to come away with no injuries that we know of at this moment in time is a positive as well. Uh, although Araujo um, tried to uh, inflict some injuries, I think, early on in the game. Uh, but anyway, cool. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to take questions just because the, the, the game summary went a little bit longer than I thought it would. So apologies for that. But we will be bringing you some content from Vegas. I don't know how much. Um, I don't know uh, how long the pieces will be. I'm sure they'll be shorter. I don't know about what the Wi-Fi is like, where I'm going to be. So there's a chance that they'll be pre-recorded, but we will get stuff out to you, uh, keeping you across the latest news. And I'll be sharing my views on those stories, of course, as we always do. Uh, but I'm off to the airport now. So um, I'll see you all soon. Uh, have a great day. Uh, take care of yourselves. And uh, just know that the times of the shows might be slightly affected or will be affected by the fact that I'm going into a time zone eight hours behind uh, my current one. So a slight change in schedule probably. But then again, I never give you guys enough warning anyway. So it's probably nothing new uh, for a lot of you. Maybe it works for our stateside listeners. Who knows? Anyway, I'll catch you all soon. Have a great day. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.